Our reading this morning is from Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not go weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you're left without discipline, in which we have all participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So far the reading. May God add his blessing to the word. Thank you. Good morning, church. For those who don't know me, I'm Josh. Uh, I currently serve at Mount Evelyn Reformed Church and undergoing my Bachelor of Theology. And it's great to be here this morning. I always feel very welcomed. You guys have a great community here. Um, and yeah, also thrilled to hear about Andy Buchan and just how God's been journeying with you guys and answering prayers through that. Having been without a pastor for a couple of years, I know how it feels, and so, no, it's very exciting news. Um, before we get into this morning's word, how about I just pray for us? Yes, yeah, so we thank you that we can come here this morning as your family, the body of Christ. Lord, I pray right now that you can give us ears to hear what you have to say, Lord. Lord, thank you that we can dive into your word, your truth, and I pray that the words that I say maybe your words, Lord, and I may speak your word truthfully, and that, um, yeah, Lord, we can all have ears to hear what you have to say. In your name we pray, amen. So as we heard, thanks to Jim, who read out this morning's message, we're in the book of Hebrews, and I have a confession to make. Up until recently, I did not like the book of Hebrews, um, partially because of its complex language and very rich Old Testament themes that I didn't really understand or connect with. 
And so I made sure at college that that would be one of the requirements that I'd have to study to kind of get over that hill, because we shouldn't really avoid parts of the Bible. Um, and so before we get into our passage, I just want to give us a bit of context as to what's going on in this letter. Um, and so the letter of Hebrews, it's not Paul, like many of the other New Testament letters, um, due to the start of Jesus. And as we know from Acts, Paul did have an encounter with Jesus. Um, and so we don't know who the author is, but we know that he's still in the same circle with the apostles due to the names that he mentions and whatnot. And we know that this book is to, it's assumed to be to a bunch of uh, Jewish people due to the name that he callbacks all throughout the book. And this letter serves as a warning and an encouragement because this is about, I don't know, 50 years on from Jesus' death and Christians weren't really that welcomed in Rome. And so people were getting imprisoned, persecuted, killed for their faith. And so a lot of these people needed encouragement because they were playing the safe option. And so that's where, that's where we are today. And we're towards the end of the letter where we have the last encouragement in the form of a, an athletic imagery which we just read out and this is very this is the Greeks loved their racing as we know we get our Olympics from their culture and so this is a great encouragement to them and I hope that it can also be a great encouragement to us as we're not too far removed from that sort of idea and so for those who are taking notes um, as well as just so you guys know where we're going to go this morning we're going to be covering three points, and those points are that faith requires endurance, uh, endurance requires motivation, and endurance. And so looking at the first point, faith requires endurance. When I think about endurance when it comes to running, I can't help but think of a classic movie, which maybe some of you guys have seen, Forrest Gump. We've got a picture up here. Um, and for people who have seen the movie, we see this guy, he's always running around, but at one particular point in the movie, he decides to do something crazy and run from one side to America like five times. It said it took him like three years or something. Um, and we see him sprinting throughout the whole movie, but however, in this part of the movie, he's just doing a constant jog, and we see he's grown out his beard because it's been so long. But he's not fully sprinting like he is throughout the other parts of the movie because obviously when it comes to long distance, he had to pace himself. Otherwise, he would have probably gotten an injury or burnt out or who knows what. But obviously it is a movie, so yeah. But in Hebrews here, we read that our faith is just like a race that requires endurance that will help us reach an end goal. Now... Forrest here, he didn't really have an end goal, but we do have an end goal. And it's important to know that this imagery in Hebrews 12, it's not necessarily about a race of competition, but it is about a race of completing a goal, reaching that finish line. Now let's try and break down some of the Christian lingo. Well, we see in the previous chapter of Hebrews, in Hebrews 11.1, 1, the author says, Now faith is this, the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now you're probably thinking, what the heck does that mean? Now given the context, the author is alluding that faith is the confidence of God's promise and knowledge of promises to come. 
this idea of a confidence of events that have passed and also this conviction of events that are going to come. And this is a very similar meaning to hope because it's very future-orientated. And so for us, faith is this idea that we have confidence in the fulfillments that have passed in Jesus' crumb with the new heaven and new earth when Jesus comes to earth again. And so it's good to keep this in mind as you read our passage this morning. And so let's read from uh, chapter 12 again. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Now, also in the previous chapter, after it describes faith, We also have what I like to call the Bible Hall of Fame, where the author goes from creation all the way to Jesus, and he lists all these examples. Noah, Abraham, Moses, Rahab. He provides all these examples, and that's why he starts this passage with, Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. It's not so much that they are looking down on us, but it's more that we get to look to them as examples of faith, as examples of endurance. Because although our time on earth is short, it is a lot longer than a sprint. It says, Lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the races set before us. When preparing for a race, you're intentional about your diet, your training, the shoes you wear, what's going to help you and what's not. You're aware of these things. And when it comes to our Christian life, our faith, some things in life need to be rejected if we are to run effectively. The Christian life, like a long-distance race, is difficult, and therefore it takes constant, sustained effort. We need to be intentional. Are there things that, are, that we are allowing in our Christian life that are hindering our faith? Obviously, the more we indulge in a sinful life, the more we will be hindered in our faith. But he doesn't just say the sin that sticks closely. He also says every weight. And I've found, as I've gone through my life, that sometimes it's not only the bad things that hinder us, but it's the good things that we don't surrender to God. The things that we place too high on our priority list and putting that in God's place in our lives. This may be certain possessions, hobbies, patterns of life, or even people in our life that can occupy this space and hamper our endurance in our faith. Maybe reading or watching certain content, you may think it's harmless, but if it's constantly distracting us from reflection on God and His Word and being a part of church, then it is a hindrance. A sport may be a great source of physical exercise and a great way to have fellowship, but this is something else that we can idolize sometimes if we're not too careful. Or maybe you're an unmarried person and you may take great pleasure in the company of a new romance, but such a relationship must be weighed up in light of one's Christian commitment. Sometimes work can get in the way, whether we're seeking that promotion or financial goal. All these things can impact our spiritual life. And it isn't that they're inherently bad, 
but they can hinder us from having endurance if we prioritize them too much. We need to regularly evaluate what is helping me in this race, what isn't helping me. We should assess how we're responding to the pull of popularity, the position or place given in our life, as they can potentially stunt our spiritual development. Because we need to be prepared for our whole life. You may be going well in our, we may be going well in our faith now, but how are we being intentional about nurturing our faith? How are we being intentional that we don't run out of sustenance like a runner on an empty stomach? Are we being discipled through our church? Are we being connected? Are we meditating on God's word? Are we praying and acknowledging God on a regular basis? These are all things that we need to evaluate. And without endurance, we drift away from the faith. We burn out. Without endurance, one sets himself on a trajectory of abandoning the faith. Many times in my faith journey have I had to repent because sometimes we do put our priorities, we get them in the wrong order. We put things above our faith, of things not yet seen. And many times do I have to come back to God and repent. And some of these Hebrews, they weren't being intentional either because some of them were drifting away. Some of them were not prioritizing meeting together like we do here this morning. And some of them were drifting away, hence why this letter was written. For and the conviction of the things that were to come. Faith requires endurance. And we find that endurance requires both motivation and discipline. When we look at endurance requiring motivation, I remember doing a Hope Builders fundraiser, Go the Extra Mile, which I'm sure that a lot of you guys are familiar with. I think we've got a very young Josh there. And um, I remember getting up nice and early on a Saturday morning, walking from 7 a.m. in Gels Park to around 4 p.m. that day, depending on the breaks. And it'd start off cold in the morning, but it would quickly warm up as you get walking. And as you're having a good time, then all of a sudden you have a 10k leg of rain in the Dandenong Ranges, which give you wet feet that gives you blisters. And then on top of that, your calves and your quads start tightening up. So instead of walking, you're more shuffling along to get to the finish line. Yeah, I make it sound like it was a bad experience. It was a good experience. I did it like three times. Uh, and it's a great, great cause as well. Um, regular exercise, discipline, and a healthy mindset was needed. Something I look forward to to remind myself during the walk, although it was a good cause, we also seek motivation from other ways, was the massages that were at the finish line for all participants. A full body massage. Whenever I, it was raining or I was all blistered up or I saw my teammates bailing, I was like, no, nah, I want that massage. Because we all like rewards, don't we? whether it's the bar of chocolate we buy ourselves when we're finished our assessments or the restaurant that we go to as a family on special occasions or a holiday that you've been planning after years of hard work or saving. Often rewards keep us motivated when life is mundane. And as we keep reading this morning's passage, it says, 
Let us run this race with endurance that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. In our faith race, when we fix our eyes on Jesus, we are reminded of the great reward we have in Christ. The cleansing of our sins that was achieved at the cross means that we get to enjoy our justification now and we can look for in eternal life. You know, we get a glimpse of, of what this will look like in Revelation 21. And I'm just going to read a bit of that out and I think it's going to be up on the screen as well. And I just want you to imagine this, whether you close your eyes, if that helps or whatnot, but let's read this together. It says, As I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all of this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. Endurance requires motivation, and this should be our motivation, that all who are victorious will inherit all of these things. It says in our passage in Hebrews that as we look to Jesus, he is the founder and perfecter of our faith. And this idea of founder can also be seen as author, forerunner, pioneer. This idea that Jesus has run this journey ahead of us. We're not the first to run this journey. He ran this race on this very earth. He faced hardship. He faced criticism, doubt from his closest friends and family. Yet his motivation was purely from his conviction of things not yet seen. His con- His motivation was not based on things on this earth. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He endured the cross despising its shame. He endured the worst death sentence in those times for the joy that was set before him. People were mocking him, humiliating him. And you know what he said to the person next to him on the cross? I assure you today you will be with me in paradise. Because his joy didn't come from anything that was on earth. But his joy came from the bigger picture of glory with the Father. He positioned himself that he would never lose sight of God's will for him. That bigger picture, that end goal, the finish line. Do we know the joy that's set before us this morning? says in our passage, Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, 
so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted in your struggle against sin. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. This verse implies that if Jesus endured through the pouring out of his blood, then the Hebrews and us today can endure a much lesser persecution. When we run this race of faith with endurance, if we don't have motivation, we're quick to bail, to pike out. When we have no motivation in our faith, we give in to our fleshly desire and we indulge in sin. We prioritize the wrong things. When we don't have our eyes fixed on Jesus, we get enslaved to the things of this world, things that won't last and will distract us. When we don't have our eyes on Jesus, we don't complete the race. I think of the story of Peter in the Gospels when he hops out of the boat. He's walking towards Jesus on the water. And when his eyes are fixed on Jesus... Everything's going fine. But as soon as he looks at the water around him and the waves, he starts to panic and sink. When we look away from Jesus, we panic, we sink. We cannot get to the finish line of faith by simply being a good person, but rather by only keeping our eyes on Jesus can our faith be perfected. Because only with Jesus can we make it to the finish line. Because he's waiting there for us. He's cheering us on. He is the finish line. He is the perfecter of our faith. The perfecter of the past fulfillments and the perfecter of the future fulfillments. He has set the path before us. And without him, we do not know where to go. We learn this through his word which guides us and teaches us in our faith. Endurance requires motivation, but endurance also requires discipline. Now, I don't know about you, but discipline can be a bit of a jarring word. When we think about discipline, we often have negative connotations attached to it. Getting told off, Or if it's work discipline, maybe getting a written warning or getting fired. We have discipline from our parents. Or maybe if you're a parent here, you remember disciplining your child. And if we're going to be honest, whether we're giving discipline or receiving discipline, discipline is never fun. It's hard and it doesn't feel good at the time. In our passage this morning in Hebrews, it refers to hardship as the Lord's discipline and because of it we all learn to endure in our faith he talks about do not grow faint hearted because Jesus endured the cross and he says have you not forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons he says my son do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord nor be weary when reproved by him for the Lord disciplines the one he loves And chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, 
then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who discipline us and we respect of spirits and live. For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best for them. But he disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. We see the author, he, he places the subject of discipline in a positive manner. In a framework of encouragement and comfort when it comes to our faith. Because of his love and acceptance into his family as his children. The writer takes this reference as son. It's quoting one of the Proverbs. To directly apply to the whole Christian community of the Hebrews. And to us today as well. This writer is making this parallel between the Hebrews' hardships persecution and the Lord's discipline. Every Christian in Rome at the time who was publicly declaring their faith would have been experiencing hardship. They would have been imprisoned, beaten, killed. And isn't it odd that the Hebrew writer is saying that their suffering means the Lord's discipline? It doesn't seem right, does it? But we see that Christians face hardship when we surrender our lives to God and choose to run this race. We might not be getting killed today. We might not be getting beaten. But we have to admit that our culture similarly does not love crits, sex offenders, obnoxious liars. Today we're not being killed, but we're being more and more restricted. We see this through the recent conversion therapy bill that means that parents, pastors, friends, they can be charged just for praying. And looking at more recent examples, we see Andrew Thorburn getting sacked as CEO from Essendon because of his affiliation with his faith. As Christians, we recognize that we don't fit into the culture around us. We face tough questions, moral issues, ethical issues that our culture is pretty set on, but some of them go against God's word. And this can be hard. But we cannot think that hardship is inattention from God. Rather, the difficulties faced are actually signs that we are true children of the Father. These difficulties are evidence of a transformed heart as we live according to God's word. The writer tells us that God's sons and daughters pursue faith through persistent obedience despite the painful opposition of the world. Because discipline is painful for a short time. Hips are called the Lord's discipline because they make us steadfast in our Christian life, which results in sharing in his holiness. The whole context suggests that right parental discipline involves the training of right living. So the discipline of God, when received in the right manner, trains a Christian in right character, purifying the heart. Because it says, for the moment, discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. The Hebrews are to recognize in their current difficulties the Lord's loving hand training them in right character. 
And it is important to observe from the beginning that this divine discipline isn't punishment for the sin because we know that Christ has cleansed them from their sin. But it's God making use of the evil opposition we face to fortify his sons and daughters in the way of obedience. That which marks the legitimacy of God's sons and daughters in a reflection of what was demonstrated in the legitimacy of his eternal son, Jesus. It says earlier in Hebrews 5.8, Jesus learned obedience through what he suffered. And we see even Jesus himself in the Gospels say, because of me you will be hated, but those who stand firm at the end will be saved. We are called to stand firm in these times and be faithful. The writer states, if we don't face the discipline of the Lord, then we are not true children. And this is confronting. What does this look like for us? Have we experienced different treatment in today's world because of our faith? Have we been mocked, judged, treated unfairly? This is a part of the race we are called to run. Just like a race, training is discipline. And this is the discipline of our faith. Are we truly submitting and humbling ourselves every day to God and living according to his word? Because if our... If we respect our fathers and we can be confident in obeying them through discipline because they see the bigger picture, how much more confidence can we have in our Father in heaven who disciplines us and the bigger picture he sees? We see God is lavishing his love upon us when he disciplines us. And without discipline, there is no humility, there is no submission. And some might leave during hardship. Some might leave during what this Hebrew writer is calling the Lord's discipline. Because some of us might think that God neglects us during these times. Or that God neglects the evil that we face. Or even worse, that God brings forth this evil. And this is what Satan wants. You see, it won't make sense all the time, just as we see in the book of Job when we experience hardship. But we can respond that God's ability to redeem bad circumstances and turn them into good is expressed throughout all scripture. This shows that God, who is never the source of evil, can turn evil inside out, utilizing it for a greater purpose. And no event bears more witness to this than Jesus on the cross using the ultimate evil for the ultimate good. Running the race requires the discipline because this world naturally will reject Christ. And when it comes to hardship, let us not run away from the Lord's discipline, but rather let us continue to run the race that he has set before us, being steadfast in faith. Now we've covered a lot this morning and hopefully the Lord has made something stand out to you. 
As I know, when I prepared for this, there was a lot that I was confronted on and a lot that I needed to be encouraged by. And it's no doubt that the Hebrews, they faced a lot worse hardship in their society than we currently do. There's no doubt about that. However, we need to be aware that choosing this Christian race will not be a stroll in the park. And I suspect that it will only get harder before it will get easier. But I encourage us as a church because we have a hope that does not disappoint. In a world surrounded by hope that does disappoint, whether that be things we look forward to, our friends, our family, all these things can disappoint us and do disappoint us. But we're told in Romans 5 of a hope that doesn't disappoint. It says in Romans 5, 3 to 5, We rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God's hope won't disappoint us. And the great thing about this passage, as I mentioned earlier, it's not this race is not a competition. It says, let us run this race. Let us throw off everything that hinders us. So I encourage us that we're in this together. This isn't a solo race. And it's not an exclusive race. The Hebrews writer encourages them in chapter 10 saying, let us hold fast this confession of our hope without wavering. For he who is promised is faithful and let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting meeting together, as it is a habit for some, but rather encouraging one another, and all the more as we see Jesus' second coming draw near. Let us encourage one another as we run this race of faith. Life is already hard as it is being a Christian, but we're not in it alone. We have a church community. When we look to God and see the bigger picture that he sees, we have the ability to endure through hardship. Let us remember this great reward we have in Christ when we reach that finish line. And let us remember constantly to take our eyes off the things of this world and fix ourselves on the eternal kingdom mindset of God. Having a faith with endurance, motivation and discipline our assurance of things hoped for, and our conviction of things not yet seen, but we get to look forward to. That is what our faith race is all about. Lord, we thank you this morning. Lord, I thank you for your word and your truth. Lord, I thank you that all these letters, all these stories, Lord, we thank you that we can learn from these real events that happened. And Lord, I thank you that we can be encouraged just as the people who received this letter can be encouraged. And Lord, would you please help us as we run this race? We live in a very distracting world. Would you help us band together as the body, the body of Christ? Help us to throw off everything that hinders. Help us to let go of all sin that hinders us as well. Would you help us to keep our eyes, keep our motivation fixed on you? 
the founder and perfecter of our faith, Lord. And Lord, when we experience hardship as the body of Christ, let us not neglect each other, let us not neglect you, but Lord, let us endure through that hardship. Let us praise you, God, because we know that our reward isn't here on earth, but our reward is in heaven with you. Lord, help us to remember this. Help us to hang on to this as we leave this place and go about our week. We thank you and we love you and thank you for journeying with us in this. Pray these things in your name. Amen.